This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 438. So, as an investor, I honestly haven't looked at the MLS for investment purposes in about three years. Uh, with with 19,000 agents, and let's just say even 1% of them have investor clients, you know, I'm up against you know dozens and dozens of investors. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast here in the Sea Shed with my buddy, Mr. David. The jujitsu master green. What's up, man? How you been? Okay? <laughs> People are going to actually believe it when you say that. <laughs> that was said very facetiously. No, it was not. You, you're you killing me on jujitsu. You're very good. You're very good. We've been rolling a lot. We've been very sweaty together a lot lately in the middle of my garage floor. That's the best. <laughs> sweaty, hot Hawaiian jujitsu. <laughs> yes, it's been it's been uh, amazing. Anyway, it's been, been fun having you here. And uh, today's episode is also a lot of fun because we sit down and we dive into a topic that everybody has to deal with, and that's getting your first deal. Now, maybe you're listening to the show and you've already got a couple of deals. It's fine. This the, the exact same thing applies today, whether you've done five deals, 100 deals, or no deals. But we really try to keep the cookies on the lower shelf today, and we dive in with our buddy Anston Young, and we say, if you're like, what should people do actionably right now this weekend to drive leads into your business so you can get deals? Should you go on market? Should you go off market? Should you do direct mail? What's driving for dollars? What's the best strategy? Uh, how do you stay consistent over the long haul? We cover all of that stuff today on this episode. You're going to love it. But before we get to that, let's get to today's quick, quick tip. tip. So today's quick tip is uh, the reason, well, I shouldn't say the reason. We wanted to bring Anson on anyway, but the reason that we're bringing him on this week particularly uh, is because we are actually doing something that we've never done before at Bigger Pockets, and that is we are launching a private book club. In other words, like a group that can get together and talk about a certain book. And this book that we're choosing for the first book is Anson's book. It's called Finding and Funding Great Deals, The Hands-On Guide to Acquiring Real Estate in Any Market. So we're going to be going through this as a group of Bigger Pockets pro and premium members. So you have to be a pro member or a premium member to be part of the group for the book club. And we're going to be going over this book and with Anson specifically on a, a live Q&A with him. I think that is on February 11th, I believe. Yeah, I think he's going to be doing it on February 11th. So it's going to be awesome. And you can answer, ask as many questions as you want of Anson. He'll be there answering questions and discussing the book. So if you are interested in that, just go to biggerpockets.com slash Anson, A-N-S-O-N to learn more how you could potentially get a free copy of this book if you don't already have it, or maybe get a 50% discount depending on if you're a pro member or not, because you can upgrade to pro and potentially get the book for free. And oh, go check out the details. I don't want to go into it because this is a much longer than it should be. Quick tip. Quick tip. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. 
PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. And I think we're ready to do this because we got to uh, we got to get the show out so you and I can go and do some more uh, more jujitsu out in the uh, garage. Yeah, and Anson does a great job today, so I'm he excited kills to bring it. him in. All right, here we go. Hope you guys enjoy this interview with my good buddy, uh, real estate investor from the Denver market, Anson Young. All right, Anson, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets podcast. One of the few four Peters here on the show. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I I couldn't even think of like four. That's that's uh, that's crazy. But I, I hope you guys are doing well out there in sunny Hawaii. Thank you. We are uh, we are attempting to. David here is of course joining me in the sea shed, and uh, we're gonna pick apart your brain on how to find deals, how to fund deals, how to do yoga. I think those three things are our topics today. So with, <laughs> with that Indeed. said. I, w- I want to start with downward dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me back the camera up a little bit. Yes. Uh, let's begin with finding deals. All right. So who are you, Anson? How did you get into real estate? For those who have not heard one of the last shows, which was episode 34 and then 96 and then 235, but it's been years since that. So who are you? What's your story? Yeah. So I am an investor out of Denver. I do fix and flips. I do wholesaling. I'm also a licensed real estate agent been doing real estate since 2005. And my start really quick is that I got laid off in IT. And while trying to figure out what to do next, if I want to go back into IT or what I want to do. In the meantime, we had moved down to Phoenix and I picked up a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is kind of the basic investor origin story that got me launched off where I landed in Phoenix and said, you know what? New city, new me. Uh, kind of had a eat, pray, love moment and uh, <laughs> just went all in. And you know what? Took me about a year to get my first deal, but uh, but we did that and it was kind of off to the races and that was back in the 2005 days. So, but yeah, that was kind of the, the start, moved back to Denver right after that first deal and just kind of started uh, doing fix and flips, wholesaling, got my license a year later and then just been doing whatever I can ever since. So definitely go check out Anson's previous shows if you want to know his full story. But I'm curious, Anson, let's go to today. What's your portfolio look like? I mean, how much are you flipping? What does what uh, your real estate look like today? Yeah, so right now, mainly just flipping, not, uh, not doing a whole lot of buy and hold yet. But like 12 to 15 properties a year that we're flipping, uh-huh. another 10 or so wholesales. And then on the agent side, doing a dozen or so on that side right now. And so total, probably about 30 deals a year and kind of keep the team small, keep it a lifestyle business, uh, make sure that I'm not working a whole lot uh, crazy, <laughs> you know, 80 hour weeks or anything like that. So that's the goal and we're sticking to it for now. Well, well one thing I really like about you and the reason I brought you on the show again today is because uh, you are really good at balancing that, like that lifestyle piece with trying to actually make enough money to live and survive and thrive and uh, have a great life, but not working 80 hours a week. And so I want to really dig in today on the nitty gritty of what are you doing to find deals in this crazy competitive market? Uh, How are you putting them together? How does that work? Like, what can people do to shave? What's the 80-20, I guess? What's the 20% that's going to give you 80% of the results? And I think you above almost anybody else I know have like really nailed that. So let's, I guess, just dig into it today. Let's say I'm a brand new real estate investor wanting to get started with real estate, wanting to buy my first rental or my flip or whatever. I just need a good deal. What should be my first step? Yeah. I mean, if you're just starting off and I know a lot of listeners here kind of are in this boat, this is kind of like the number one question that a lot of people come at least to me with, but really some of the things that I talk about will really depend on your goals, kind of your end goals, what that looks like, uh, your budget, how much time you have allocated to real estate investing. And so uh, first really analyze those things and figure out, okay, like my goal is to own two rentals and I'll be happy. Like that's one goal. But if you want to go flip a hundred houses, those are two very different directions that you could go Two very different 
basically playbooks that we would write for you. And so that would be number one. And then number two is definitely make sure that you have the, that you just have what it takes to stick with whatever you're doing to get to that goal. And so kind of that consistency, uh, stick with it, uh, to itness, whatever that, that word is that people wait, 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 wait. Are, are you saying that I can't get rich quick overnight in real estate, Anson? Cause I'm gonna shut this podcast off right now. If that's the case, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> shut her down. Um, you, you can, I mean, you'll, uh, I always say like, if somebody's starting to, whatever they're doing, if they're starting to market, if they're starting to, to do direct mail or something, it's like, yes, you could absolutely get the very first phone call in is just a killer deal. And it's just super that easy. But most of the time it's consistency and two, three, four months of consistent effort will pay off. And so a lot of people quit at month two when they should have stuck with it because the golden, you know, the golden nuggets are in month four, five, six of consistency, at least when it comes to something like direct mail. And so people, I think, want it, you know, they want the Insta gratification of just, boom, I did this. I need, I need this back. And now I'm a millionaire, whatever. So Anson, this is a common theme I've seen in real estate investing. And it's really not different than everything else in life, where if you're expecting instant results and you don't get them, it's very easy to quit versus if you're expecting it to be a grind, those people usually make it. Very similar to something like working out. You're not going to build muscle when you first start going to a gym. That consistency is what matters. Do you have advice for people that know they struggle with that specifically, that they just, that's why they're maybe having a hard time getting traction in life that you tell people that keeps them encouraged so that they don't quit? Yeah, that's the, uh, I mean, that's a a killer question because, you know, obviously the 100% fix, if I had that, you know, I could bottle it and sell it. But I think, I think like kind of the fun fundamentals of that question are, you know, do you have any kind of accountability? I know when I was writing the book, I had Brandon to keep me on track. He, uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't always great at it and he had to drag me along sometimes, uh, cause we were both writing and we wanted to hit a certain amount of words per day, but that accountability, knowing that I had to show up, put my numbers in a spreadsheet and then every week or two have to answer to Brandon it's pretty intimidating, but uh, well, the whole, like, if you don't, if you don't get your weekly numbers, we cut off a finger that, that actually yeah, motivated you quite a was, bit too. It did. And, and, you know, I'm nine <laughs> fingers now or eight, yeah. <laughs> eight nine and, and a half, half fingers uh, now. Yeah. So. Yeah. We didn't get the whole finger off that time. Cause you did pretty good with your goal, but, <laughs> but I think, I think accountability is huge. I mean, having somebody else to kind of bounce that off of and, and, you know, you, you tell them your goals of like, Hey, even though I'm just starting, I want to do 50 phone calls this week and then breaks down to 10 a day and then uh, have, have a system in place where you can be held accountable to those because uh, that external accountability is honestly one of the biggest uh, factors of, of starting out and being successful, having like someone to answer to, you're either going to disappear and you're not going to hear from that person because they're just kind of embarrassed that they're not hitting their goals or they're going to step up and they're going to be like, I don't want to let Brandon down or I don't want to let David down because I know that they're, you know, I told him I'm going to do this. Now it's on me to do it. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, it's one of the reasons that uh, we interviewed uh, Christmas Chesney a long time ago on the podcast. He's the author of the book, Four Disciplines of Execution. And yes. I love that book. And one of the reasons why is, yeah, they, they're so big on like every week you meet with your team. This is like not this is like team focus, not necessarily accountability group focus, but like your mastermind focus. But like you meet with your team and you're like, this week I commit to making 50 phone calls. And the next week you got to be like, last week I committed to making 50 phone calls. I only made 45. And so you like you self-identify as a loser. And so like you're like nobody else needs to call you out and be like, hey, man, you failed. You you know it because you just said I said I was going to do this. I didn't do it. Yeah. Extreme accountability is so important. David, what do you think on that? I know you utilize a lot of that in your life. Yeah, that's a huge part on our real estate team is we have to meet as a team and we talk about what we're doing, which keeps everybody engaged. I think that there's like another level of depth that we can probably take this because when you're not good at something is when you feel the most shame and when you isolate the most. Mm. So you hear people talking about real estate investing, you want to get started, but you know you're not good at it. And so you don't want to bring up the topic where someone's going to say, how many doors do you have? And you get to hold up the goose egg. Okay. The problem is the community is what brings the accountability that Anson's talking about. When you're around other people that are doing the same thing, you are way more likely to follow the path that it would take to get to success. And so what I've found is the best thing you can do is to humble yourself and jump in with other people that are doing well and talk about it because it brings that 50 number that Anson's talking about to the front of your mind. 
every day you wake up and you're thinking about, I got to get my 10 calls. I got to get my 10 calls. I don't like this feeling. I'm going to make 15 to make up because I only made five last week, which is why we love bigger pockets. Cause it's, that's what it's doing. It's bringing investors together, creating a community. So what I would say for people that are having a trouble, either getting started or just sticking with it, you're not in a community. That's one of the reasons CrossFit does so well is mm-hmm. there that is a community of people that identify as workout people. It's very hard to skip your workout when all your friends are going to say, where were you today? When you're going to the gym by yourself, it's very easy to skip that <laughs> workout. So the encouragement I would have is if you're, especially if you're having a hard time getting started, you need more accountability. You need more people. You need to get deeper into the community. You need to make more friends. Uh, and, and that's really one of the reasons bigger pockets pro leads to more people finding success because now they're on this journey with others, as opposed to, I just kind of show up. I look at what you're doing. I sit in the back and I'm the first person out as soon as it ends. Yeah. And a a little bit of a a tease here. I'm not sure I'm supposed to talk about this yet, but we are working right now on a thing for bigger pockets pro, which is going to link people together in a mastermind group in a a stronger way. Like right now with through the intention journal, we have a mastermind group that we help people form, but we're, uh, we're taking that to a whole new level this year. And so in 2021, you guys are going to see some big changes to the pro membership specifically in regards to what we're talking about today, which is how to get more accountability with other people on the same journey. Uh, and I know Anson, like you and I have used it both in our lives, David, you, you, you use it in your life. So that's, that's phenomenal. Anything else you would, you would encourage people with that are just struggling with like giving up? Cause we all know like if people stuck with things long enough, they'd probably be fine, but they're not. So accountability, huge. Anything else you throw in there? Yeah. I mean, obviously the road to the first check. I always like, I've seen people who get their first check and it's all the validation of, of kind of, uh, all of, all of their effort, all of the, the pain, sweat, and tears that they, they went through to get there. Visualize, try, try to help people visualize that of like, like, you know, what's it going to be like if you have 5,000 extra dollars or whatever. And then also don't compare yourself to others. Like I look at the bigger pockets podcast titles and, and I could see even I'm in, intimidated by, you know, it's like this arms race of like 23 year old owns 10,000 units. Yep. And I look at that. I'm like, okay, I'm 40 and I don't <laughs> have 10,000 units. What am I doing with my life? Like yeah. I could see how that could be a comparison where you're always comparing yourself to, you know, the younger, faster, more units kind of thing. And it's not an arms race. You run your own race. If your goal is two units in the next two years, like run that race. Don't worry about the 23 year old kid with 600,000 units or whatever it is. Run your own race and don't compare because that'll easily derail you and discourage you. And when you're discouraged, you're not going to put in the work to, to, you know, kind of get to where you want to go. Yeah. That's an interesting, interesting topic of like, how do you, how do you decide between like, how do you balance between being inspired by people? Because I I love to hear the stories, right? Of the 25 year old kid who's just killing me and like, like just dominating. But then how do I not compare? Because I don't want to feel bad about myself. And I think that's, I think you nailed it there. It's like, you remember like everyone's running their own race. So the real question is, are you running your race or are you sitting down watching TV on the side of the road? Because that's what most people are doing. They're scrolling TikTok on the side of the road, not running their race. So if you're running your race, who cares if somebody else is running their race faster or slower or whatever? I mean, they're, uh, I think keeping that in mind, David, real quick, throwing that at you. How do you balance the, the comparison versus inspiration with, especially in the online world? You know, what I think about it a lot is that I don't have a family, people like you that are married with kids. So I have more time to put towards it. And frankly, I may even have more ambition because my energy is not split among several different areas. So I think more people are looking at me like, oh, that guy's an animal. He does all these things. How does he do that? And I know, well, the reality is I don't have to worry about a four-year-old. Yeah. You know, I have (laughs) nothing else to put my energy towards but this. So I tend to see people that watch me saying, look at the race he's running. I'm not good enough and say, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Because when I have a family, I'm probably going to do nothing. I may just say, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just going to focus on that. So it's very good to recognize there's a part of us that always wants to compare ourselves to other people as a shortcut for being honest with ourselves. But I do this with other things. I do it with with fitness. You see someone in the gym with an insane body and I just think, I just don't want to work that hard, right? I don't want it as bad as that person does. And and units and wealth is is another thing. If the purpose of doing this is to have more time with your family, the dumbest thing you could do is to try to get to 10,000 units working 100 hours a week and taking massive risk because that wasn't your goal. So it, this goes back to what you and I were saying earlier, Brandon. People have to know what their goal is. They have to know what they want, what yeah. the purpose of what they're trying to do is. Because if you don't, you become susceptible to, to the arms race that Anson talked about. I've never heard that phrase, Anson. I thought that that was a brilliant way to put well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think I was just scrolling through my podcasts and uh, 
and it, and it just seemed like, and, and I get it. It's, it's everybody wants to hear from, you know, the, the person who's doing it better, who's doing it faster, who's doing it younger. And so, yeah, it, it just kind of occurred to me like, oh man, some people could be very discouraged by this uh, kind of arms race of, of yeah. things or be absolutely inspired by it. Like Brandon said. So, yeah. All right. So let's go. Uh, so look at your end goals. I'm going to kind of jot down these notes here. He said, look at your end goal. Like, what do you actually want? That's going to help define a lot of how you find those deals for your first step. Like, you know, understand that this takes a long time. It's not going to get happen overnight. Don't compare, right? Like run your own race. What else you got for like getting the first deal? What are some tangible things that people should be doing right now to land that first deal? Yeah. So it's going to depend on budget, but definitely learning how to analyze, you know, your, your market, kind of what you're working with, make sure that that aligns with your goals. I think we're going to uh, hammer on that pretty hard because you can analyze your market and, you know, Denver may not be great for, you know, uh, $90,000 cash flow rentals. And so you're going to want to know that immediately. And so uh, I, I think if you're ever anywhere interested in real estate at all, you're probably already doing this, but, you know, going into the Redfin and the Zillow and just kind of, looking at neighborhoods, what properties are selling for, you know, go in and look at what they're renting for. That market analysis piece is huge, but mm-hmm. you know, taking action definitely, I think based on budget, if you don't have a lot of time or if you don't have a lot of money, but you have some time, there's a lot of free ways that you can use your time to capitalize on that. So uh, my, you know, I would say go drive for dollars. That's still my number one list right now is people who are taking that time to get in their car looking at the neighborhoods, some of the deals that we get aren't on a lot of these other lists. They're not getting direct mail because they're not over 65 and they don't have hundred percent equity and they don't have kind of these low hanging fruit metrics that other investors are using, but their house has some deferred maintenance issues. And you wouldn't know that unless you're driving through the neighborhood and you have your eyes directly on that house. Can you give an exact, like, like if I'm brand new, I've never heard the term drive for dollars before. I don't even know what that means. Like, Anson, tell me exactly what I should do this weekend. Like, what do I do? So yeah, this weekend, uh, you should definitely identify some neighborhoods that you're interested in investing in, whether it's fix and flip, rental, whatever. And then you're going to go and you're going to drive every single street of that neighborhood. You know, grab your Google Maps, map it out. Whatever you need to do, you're going to drive every single street. You're going to look at every single house. You're going to look for deferred maintenance issues. So is the roof bad? You know, siding, windows, does it look vacant, overgrown? Is it half burnt down? You know, it's like all these all these things that you could look for. And then you're going to write down the addresses and then you're going to go home and you're going to look up who owns owns those properties so that you can get in touch with them. So that's a, you know, that's a great way to spend your weekend. If you have time and you're, and you're short on cash, you can build out, I think somewhere around 50 to 100 properties in a couple hours of your time. And then you can get started on whatever you you want to do next. If you want to cold call, if you want to direct mail, if you want to you know go knock on their doors, whatever is in your comfort zone, in your goals, in your budget, all of those things. So we've got that method. We've got the like you said, the Zillow, the Redfin method. If someone's listening and they're not sure which method is right for them, how would they walk them so, themselves through that decision making process for the market analysis? Whether more the strategy, or should I go off market or should I go on market? Gotcha. Yeah. I think the, uh, the, the Zillow, you know, Redfin piece is more just kind of getting these high level ideas of what's going on in those neighborhoods and in the market. So if everything in this neighborhood selling for, you know, $400,000, but you know, you, you're only pre-approved for 200, you're going to waste your time going driving for dollars in that neighborhood, unless you're looking to pick up a killer deal. I think it's more about just getting more market knowledge of kind of what's going on in your city, what's going on in these different zip codes, uh, in these different neighborhoods, uh, so that you can have a better idea of where to go focus so that you're more laser focused instead of saying all of Denver with 1 million people, you know, can I narrow it down to two zip codes or 10 neighborhoods where the properties are trading at a level that you need. So if you're looking for cash flow, if you're looking for fix and flips or wholesales, you have a better idea what's going on in those neighborhoods. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. All right, so let's go really quick back to you're going driving for dollars. You find some properties around there. You find this cool like house that maybe a tarp on the roof and you're like, all right, I'm gonna go home and look up that information. First of all, what information am I looking up? Where do I go to find that? What do I do once I have that information? 
Yeah. So the easiest way is to look up on county tax records. If your state allows it, some states are non-disclosure states, which means that that's not public information. So if you're in one of those states, I know that Brandon's called out this information for, I think on the Facebook group or something, go to, go to county tax records, see if you can easily look it up by address. And then if that doesn't work, go to a site like whitepages.com where you can either look up this info pretty easily, or sometimes it costs, you know, a couple dollars to get that information. So, but yeah, that's kind of how you extract that information for the next piece. All right. So once you find those people, then what do you do with them? I mean, what do you, what's your advice on reaching out to those people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're just starting out and let's just say you're, you're, we're, we're back to the scenario where you're, uh, you know, you're cash strapped investor with some time on your hands. Uh, once you know who they are and have some information about them, have their address and maybe their phone number, depending on how big the list is and your goals or whatever, I would, uh, I would advise you to start just calling those people. That's going to be your lowest cost, best use of your time, kind of instant gratification. Uh, you kind of instantly you know, know if they're interested or not in moving forward in the process. And so calling them, you're just using some of your time in, in your cell phone. So what can be you know, more cost effective than that? Yeah, that's cool. Do you find newbies tend to work too hard on non-motivated sellers? That's a pattern I've noticed. I'm wondering if it's similar for you. Yeah, absolutely. They feel like, oh man, I got these five people that I talked to and then they hammer those people for like yeah, two months and they kind of spin their wheels and waste their time without really doing a needs analysis on, you know, hey, are they actually motivated? You know, are they actually looking to sell? And if they're looking to sell, are they looking mm -hmm. to sell for a price that makes sense uh, for an investor? Absolutely. That's, that's a great piece of advice to hammer out. I see new agents do this. I see it with new investors. Your nature is going to be, how do I take every tool that Brandon Turner gave me and apply it to <laughs> these five people and yeah. figure out which one of these deals is going to work? Yeah. But the experienced people, they don't even bother getting their toolbox out of their truck until that person has said, I need a rehab on my house and this is the price I'll pay. And yeah. then you can use all these strategies. So you're looking for motivation then you're looking for real realistic expectations. If they want top market value for their home, they're going to go to a real estate agent. They're not going to sell it to you. If they got to sell it and the price they're giving you makes sense, that's when you can start coming up with these creative strategies and bringing up seller financing and uh, wholesaling options or whatever. But I I've just seen so many people spinning their wheels saying, David, how do I get this person to understand why they should sell me their house at this price? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Anson? Have you seen it too? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and it's brutal because you could do you can get stuck on so many different parts of that process. Like mm -hmm. the phone call, some people will just set every appointment, and so they'll waste their time going out mm. to, you know, spend an hour or two more of their time than they need to on somebody who's not motivated enough, somebody who's just not great for what you want to do. Absolutely. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker and Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. All right. So what about those people? You know, if, if you, okay, so if you have no money, but you got some time driving for dollars is an amazing way to get started with off market deals. But let's say you've, you've got some money that you can spend on marketing. You've got a few hundred or maybe a few thousand dollars you could dedicate towards this. What do you then advise for finding that first deal? Yeah. So the next step up for the first person is just more time intensive. Like if you're, you're like, Hey, I got some money now, but now I'm going to direct mail. That's great. You're kind of getting out there and doing the right things. But now when all those calls are coming in, that's a lot of time. That's time intensive. And so um, I think what we were just kind of chatting about on the side there is exactly um, what, what I was going to say, which is you can absolutely hire in these things that take up a lot of time. So yeah. if you don't have time to answer the phone, you know, hire a company that can do that. If you yeah. don't have time to, to do mailers, to you know, get together better lists and then pull the trigger on that. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to want to sit there and lick uh, stamps. Yeah. Uh, you don't have time for that. Right. But you got the money to, to either pay someone else to do it or hire a company that does that. So you're basically building a business around the, the deal finding process rather than just being the all around guy who does everything and has no time to do anything else. Cause you're busy stuffing envelopes and taking phone calls where, you know, in this scenario, you're the guy who has the money to hire that out. And uh, not a lot of time to do the inner working pieces of those things. So you can infinitely scale those things. If you don't have time to go on appointments, you can hire in acquisitions. You know, if yeah. you don't have time, you know, to do, to sell the property, hire in an agent, a lot of things that you can absolutely outsource. That's kind of what I did with my uh, mobile home park fund, right? Like I was like, I, I really want to own a bunch of mobile home parks and get into, and now, you know, get into multifamily, like larger, you know, even larger stuff. Like I was like, I really want to do that, but I don't have time for that. So I just hired people to do each piece of it. I'm like, I hired Mike to be the investor relations. I hired Ryan to go and do all the due diligence and kind of lead things. I hired Walker to help acquisitions. And so these guys just kind of took over the, and they do it way better than I could do anyway. So now I don't spend hardly any time on it, but we get 10 times more done than I could ever do alone. And so, but again, I had the money in the beginning to actually do that, which is why I chose that route. Not everybody has the money in the beginning to be able to do that. But even, even if you don't have money, you could probably JV with people. You could find other ways to get it done. And I would argue that like, Let's go back to the direct mail marketing. Yes, I would not. Well, I'm curious what you would say, Anson, but I would generally recommend not printing or handwriting each of your own letters in the, like, would you agree? Like, it's just, it's too cheap to hire other people to do that. Like there's companies I mean, out there. It, yeah, it just it depends. Like I, I wrote letters, you know, when I had 50 people on my list, you know, okay, yep. and it was yeah. just like, it was easy to do. I was like, you know, this will take me, I could be, you know, watching a video or listening to a podcast while I'm doing it. It's kind of easy to do, yeah. but there's, there is a point where you have to just analyze like, is my time worth, you know, something that I could do 25 cents a letter, you know, is yeah. my time worth, you know, the $15 that I'm going to spend on, you know, having someone else do it. Yeah. And, uh, there's, there's definitely a point where you're like, my time is better spent on, on other things than just writing letters or just licking envelopes. Um, 
stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, if you're sending a few letters, I don't think there's any problem with that. But if you're trying to do 500 letters or 1,000 yeah. letters, you're just completely wasting your time. I've, I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all no right. So, so first of all, who do you mail these letters to? What kind of list are you sending to? How do you get a list? Let's go start there. And then we'll move to what the letter might want to look like or, or say. Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, lists could be its own, you know, three-hour thing. But in general, besides the driving for dollars list, of course, we already talked about that. But um, my idea with lists is that the kind of the harder that they are to get, the less competition you're going to have. And so niche lists is, is what I like to look for. So a brand new investor may not have all the ins and outs of you know what this looks like and how to get them, but have that at the top of, of mind. Because when you go after foreclosures, that's a public list in almost every single state. And so when foreclosures are published on Wednesday, everybody who has an internet connection knows that that property has some motivation and can you know be bought basically, and so uh, so everybody's going to have that on their list. So think about the easier that they are to get, the higher competition that uh, that you're going to be facing. So um, you know something that's like a listed property is there's 19,000 agents in Denver. They're all going to be looking at those properties, and so you know um, so as far as niche lists, you know think more like okay utility shutoff list or people who are being evicted, you know, kind of an eviction list. Who can you get in front of? Who can you talk to to help you get lists like this? You know, is it, a, is it an attorney cousin of yours who has access to court records? Anything that you can do to, to get these niche lists that are small, and then you'll have much less competition. So just a quick example is probate is a big thing. One of the counties in Denver the only way to get a probate list is to go down in person and uh, well, this is pre COVID, but go down in person. You can only pull 20 records a day. They cost a dollar a piece. And so if you're looking for 500 people for this probate list, it's going to take you some time to go, go down and get there. And then there's no guarantee that there's real estate in that, in that probate case. And so it was very labor intensive, very time intensive, but I guarantee that we were probably one of the only people who were actually putting in the work to do it. So our competition was much lower. So just think, think along those lines. I, I love that. And like, I think a lot of the wealth is where things are difficult. We talk about that a lot is run towards hard. Uh, it's a common phrase we say in the podcast. Can you explain real quick what probate is? And then I want to dig in a little bit more on that. Of course. Yeah. If somebody uh, passes away without a uh, will, uh, a lot of times it'll go to two probate courts. So then the state will decide what to do with all of that person's bank accounts and house and belongings and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, so the court has to get involved. And then a lot of times there's court cases that are attached to that. So you can go and find out who's the executor or who the court signed in as an executor. Um, sometimes if they do die with a will, but it could be contested or something, it goes through court. And so you're going to want to get in front of that and to, to, to kind of figure out what's going on inside those probate cases. So that's really good. And by the way, if people want to know more about the probate stuff of way back eight years ago on episode number 12 with Sharon Bornholt on the bigger pockets podcast, we dove deep into the world of probate. So you can go back and listen there a little bit, but again, it's a, it's a more difficult task. Now, what I think is I get these emails or DMS or whatever on Instagram occasionally, maybe several times a month with people saying things like, Hey, I found this XYZ program, which is just going to, in one click of a button with doing no work whatsoever, it's going to give me an amazing list of motivated sellers. What do you think on those kind of things? Like those, those companies or those programs that just pay us a fee and we'll give you the, the list right there. I think, you know, um, I'm kind of torn on them. I think that there are a lot of ones that are probably good. It was weird. Cause I, I got something similar where all of a sudden, like every other Facebook message is like, Hey, I pull lists. I can do this, you know, it was, it's kind of this weird boom of people who maybe just have a list source account or something, but, yeah. but I, I would say definitely vet those companies, uh, vet those people. I know that when I go through like my direct mail provider, that that company is actually pulling good lists that I'm paying them for. They're, you know, absolute professionals who are doing high volume, who know exactly what they're doing. And so I don't have any issues with saying, Hey, you know, I need 2000 more people in my market. Can you pull XYZ lists or what kind of list do you think I should pull and have them do it? That's one thing. But if somebody is just offering a course or program or 
some random person in your Facebook messages, I would yeah. be very wary of, of that kind of list because I could pull you any kind of list source list. That doesn't mean that it's good, it's good that yeah. it's quality or that you're going to get anything out of it. So. Well, and, and a lot of times the strength of the list depends upon uh, the, the area you're in, right? So like for, I'll give you an example. As I once did a direct mail uh, campaign to Grays Harbor, Washington, which no one was doing direct mail. I still don't think anybody's doing direct mail there. And I sent 300 letters and out of them, I got 40 phone calls. And the, I literally just pulled the most basic list. Like I went to list source. I bought like absentee owners who had owned their properties over five years. That was all I did. Just absentee owners over five years. I got 40 phone calls from 300 letters because nobody was doing that in that market. If I went to Denver right now and did like absentee owners, meaning people don't live in the property and I did, they've owned it for over five years. It's such a like, probably common list that it would probably, I'd get like 1% or a 0.1% response rate because those people are just getting saturated from a lot of different investors. So a lot of it depends if your area is saturated. Is there a lot of people doing direct mail there? You, you got to be better than the competition. So in some areas, that means you got to be really good. Some areas you can just be, you know, average. Exactly. Yeah. No, you hit it right on the head. Some, some markets are great for that because marketers haven't come in and ruined it for everybody yet. Uh, and then other markets like, like this one and a lot of the top metros are exactly like that. Your direct mail response rate is like dirt low. It's so low. And, and then there's also like, we could talk about, let's say even if your direct mail has become a commodity in your area, like every, like every potentially motivated seller is getting a dozen letters. There are also ways to stand out, right? There's a postcard versus a letter. You could include mm -hmm. a, a little trinket. You could uh, call them first. You could do you know, like, like, there's different ways to differentiate yourself, right? To increase your conversion rate, at least, even if everybody is doing it. Do you have any good tips there on like how to get a better response rate on your direct mail? Yeah, no. And I have an example that's like tailor made, even though we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I started a mailing campaign based on driving for dollars in a brand new neighborhood that I was, that I was working in. And I didn't cross check to see if anybody owned multiple properties, but I ended up mailing this guy uh, based on this duplex that I saw that didn't look that great. So it ended up on my direct mail list and he called and he's like, Hey man, what's, you know, kind of, what's the deal. So I kind of explained what we do. And he has seven properties in this area and he's probably on everybody's list because he's owned them since the eighties. If they're not all the way paid off, they're very close. It's a very hot neighborhood, actually pretty close to Bigger Pockets headquarters. So a lot of things are gentrifying and changing around there. So of course, it's just this hot area. And he said he gets about 10 letters a week per property. So wow. he's getting 70 letters per week per property or uh, 70 letters a week total. So if you you know look at the whole month, he's getting a whole lot of mail. And so why did he call me? Uh, he called me because he actually just liked my mailer. It was bright, colorful, had my logo on it. So it's branded mail. So it makes me look like a professional company versus just an anonymous yellow letter or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I my goal for direct mail is handcrafted and high quality. So it it just looks and feels like a high quality piece from a professional company that has personal touches in there that, you know, uh, a uh, letterhead with handwriting on it. So you're, you're mixing kind of the personal touch of a yellow letter with the professional touch of a professional letter. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to hit all the boxes there. And then, uh, and that was the very first mailing. Uh, we started talking about a, a different property that we're still talking about. And it's been a year. So sometimes uh, consistency and sticking yeah. with it helps, but um, we're still, we're still talking about it property with a house and a duplex on it. And I, I really want that property. He's just not a hundred percent ready to sell. I think he has to wait for a few things to fall in place, but he called me out of 70 letters that week. And that was the first time I ever mailed him. So it goes to show that you can stand out in a very crowded market. And a lot of times it's just like, and, and you'll get to know this when you go on appointments, some people just love to show you their mail. Like, look at all this stuff I get. <laughs> and, uh, and you'll see there's like 10 pink postcards, you know, 20 yellow letters. If you're not doing pink postcards and yellow letters, you're already standing out. You're not doing the basic thing just to blend in with everybody else. Why is somebody going to call you on your yellow letter that's going to stand out from the other 19 yellow letters in that mailbox? I don't think there's a lot you can do there, but there's a lot of other things you can do to stand out. And this goes back to why I like the the whole driving for dollars thing, because that's your list. Like you didn't just buy the same list that everyone else did. So hopefully you get those people who haven't gotten 70 letters. They've gotten three in the past three years and yours comes at a good time. And so, yeah, that's a, 
It, it reminds me, we had the conversation with Marie Forleo last week on the podcast, just all about marketing and how do you stand out? How do you appear different? And then this coming Sunday, we're doing kind of a follow-up, a part two of that, where David, I, and Kevin just really dig into the world of marketing and what that means. So uh, I want to encourage you guys, if you're, if you're interested in this direct mail thing, you want to be better at marketing. We spend this coming, I think it's this coming Sunday, uh, what episode, uh, Kevin, let me know what episode this is. Um, Kevin's our producer. Was it 439, I think is the one that's coming up this week is where we just dive really deep into this world of, again, marketing, how to distinguish yourself. And I talk about kind of the four ways that if you have a commodity type business, how you can stand out. So we'll be talking about that uh, on Sunday's episode. So that said, okay, so let's go. We got, we covered some driving for dollars. We covered some direct mail marketing. And now I want to shift a little bit here uh, to, I guess, on market strategies. So first of all, if, should new investors even be looking on the market or are the deals all gone? Like the ones that are like listed by real estate agents that are just for sale by a real estate agent. Are they, is it too hard to find anything there? At least oh, in your man. market? <laughs> it's brutal. It, it's hard to find like full market retail houses just for regular buyers. Like putting my agent hat on, uh, it, it, it's a bloodbath just to find a, you know, just a normal $600,000 house, you have to bid higher, you're going to always be in multiple offer situations. So as an investor, I honestly haven't looked at the MLS for investment purposes in about three years. Mm. It's just been that long where uh, with with 19,000 agents, and let's just say even 1% of them have investor clients, you know, I'm up against, you know, dozens and dozens of investors who, if that's their only way to find deals is through their agent, I want to shift to the left and I want to go and attack homeowners directly in my kind of market. We have super low inventory. And so it's going to be really hard that anytime just a normal house pops up, it is gone in you know two or three days. When a fixer, you know, fixer house shows up, it's gone like almost immediately. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and your market is a little unique in the sense that Denver is one of the hottest markets in the entire country and has been for five years at least. It's red hot. So you make yes. a good point. A deal isn't going to fall into your lap in Denver specifically yeah. because there's so many people that are looking for it. But that doesn't mean you can't get a base hit. And in, in a market like yours, I think agents can really help with just getting somebody into the game or getting a deal that you can house hack. And then that becomes a rental or maybe even finding a rental property with an agent. What are your thoughts on how you apply the different strategies we're talking and which one would work in what kind of market. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a good point. If, uh, if you're in another market, if you're in a Gray's Harbor or a smaller kind of market, you probably can find deals just off the MLS. I think I was talking to another investor in Oklahoma city and they're like, yeah, you can buy, you know, 1% deals just right on the MLS. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, like that doesn't exist here. <laughs> Obviously different markets have different things. So if you're in a low competitive market with higher inventory, there's a lot of chances for those on market deals. Uh, you can wait till they hit 90 days on market or 120 days on market mm -hmm. and then go in with a lower offer. Whereas a market like mine or Portland or, you know, San Francisco, Boston, whatever, when days on markets, like three, yeah. you don't have that opportunity to, to go in and the, the seller's a little bit more desperate because they've been on the market longer, all those kind of things. So um, that is such a in a market point. like mine, you almost, you almost have to go off market to get anything done. And yes, you can absolutely do house hacks. You can do kind of a more appreciation friendly yeah. rentals on market all, you know, all day long. But if you're looking for like a killer fix and flip with a hundred thousand dollar profit, uh, it's going to be right. a lot, lot, lot harder. So. That's a good point. Yeah. And see, Anson, your strategy is set up for that. You need something with so much meat on the bone that you can buy it, pay your closing costs, pay your rehab costs, pay your holding costs, pay your acquisition costs, pay the team of people that you put together, pay make your direct mail and still make a profit. <laughs> yeah. Whereas someone who's using an agent really has no expenses other than their closing costs and maybe an inspection and an appraisal. So keep that in mind. Don't get discouraged when you hear us talking about these hot markets. And you said something that was gold that had to do with the days on market. I bought a lot of real estate. I help a lot of people buy real estate. In my opinion, this is like the best tip I could give anybody. Look at days on market. It doesn't get talked about. It gets overlooked. It's the biggest secret in real estate. When I'm looking for houses for myself, like I'm looking to buy a couple in the Bay Area. I'm also in Hawaii right now buying properties in Maui. I set my on market filter to whatever the average day on market is. I just double it. 
And I say, okay, I only want to see houses that have been on the market for this long. So I have two in contract right now in Kihei that were both on the market for over 250 days. And I'm going in and, and I'm getting a good discount, but it's not because I'm this insanely good negotiator. I found sellers and I just kept asking until finally they said, yeah, I want a 1031 and I have a deal. I need to get this thing sold. Boom. Now I've got motivation. They don't have any other options. That's so different than our clients that look at the hot house on Redfin and say, I want to see it right now. It's been on the market for three days. And so does half of the state of California. And you know, there's no way that you're going to get it. And they set themselves up to be frustrated. So thank you for pointing that out. Don't swim upstream when you're, when you're doing this, there's an easy way, which is just to see what came out on Zillow and go look at it right away. Don't get pre-approved first. Look at the same homes everyone's looking at. You're going to find yourself very frustrated looking at stuff that's been sitting on the market for a lot longer is an incredibly useful strategy, even with on-market deals. Yeah. I, I learned that through REO because they would always do price reductions at a 30, 90, 120-day increment. So I knew if it was 89 days on market, in one or two days, we should be seeing a price reduction. And so that trained me to just look at days on market like, like, like a hawk. So I never thought about spot that. Spot on, Dave. Brilliant. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So we got to wrap this pretty soon, but I want to know, we talked about on market stuff, working with a real estate agent. We talked about direct marketing. We talked about driving for dollars. And those are kind of like the three big that I teach every week on the webinar. Those are the three that most real estate investors could probably find a deal. If you work those three strategies, you're probably going to figure out something, right? But let's say you want to be a little more creative. So maybe I don't want to dig into these these topics. I just want maybe almost a list from you. What are some other things people can just do to find deals that you've seen working, whether in your market, other markets, friends of yours, whatever. What are just a list of things people can do and what what is it? And then people can go and research that on Bigger Pockets or look up other shows to learn more about it. I don't want to get in. I don't want to go into each one because we'll be here for hours, but yeah, what, what else can people we'll be do? be here all day. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot. No, I think, I think kind of hitting on the theme from before is, uh, you know, kind of look at the stuff that's not, not normal right now. So higher days on market. If you find a short sale in your market, where right now we have like three on the market here, um, so getting in, into one of those short sales could be a great way to find some equity where uh, people don't want to deal with it right now. They just need to move. And um, so, so kind of look for the things that are rare, like REOs aren't, aren't super hot right now. Is there a way that you can get a house hack REO through Fannie Mae on an FHA uh, offer? And that's something that's so rare right now that uh, not a lot of people are looking at that. Whereas everybody was looking at REOs only like 10 years ago. So, so that could definitely be a way. Cold call, email, anything you can do to get in front of the seller, door knock, you know, leaving people voicemails, and then putting everybody in a CRM so you're staying consistent. So if you do have a list, make sure that you're consistently following up, consistently hitting these people so that you're top of mind when they, when they go, yeah, I, I, I think I do need to sell. Like I'm right at the point where I need to sell. Yeah. So those, those are just kind of a shotgun approach of different ways. There's almost nothing new in, uh, in mm-hmm. real estate and deal finding. And a lot, sometimes it'll shift a little bit. This works better than that. Marketers ruin that. Now we have to do this. <laughs> um, but, but you know, making sure that you're consistent making sure that you're following up. Um, Cause that's, that's a thing that a lot of investors don't do is some killer follow-up. And you'll find a lot more deals that way too. Yeah. What you find is, and I'm sure you find this in the agent world, David, as well, where it's like they go and they sent some letters and then, you know, they they didn't get many phone calls. And then they tried, you know, looking on, on realtor.com and then they, you know, they didn't really find anything there. So then maybe a couple of weeks later, they maybe did a little bit of driving and they saw a couple of properties and then, you know, they called them while they were sitting in front of the house. It didn't really work out. So then a couple of months later goes by and they're watching a lot of TV and like 35, 40 years goes by and they're dead. And like, that's just what, like, what most people do is they lack the like, why don't we run this like a business? And this is what I've seen you, Anson, do really, really well is like, put it in the CRM. Like, wow, how are the leads coming in? What's our cost to acquire a customer here? What, like, you know, your metrics, you track them, you, you run your business like a guy running a McDonald's and you don't have to be amazing at the beginning. Like, it's not that complicated to do this stuff. And there's a million and one programs out there that can help you. And bigger pockets even has stuff that can help you with this stuff to track it. Uh, but like it just requires doing this stuff. You have to treat it like a business. You have to start knowing your numbers, knowing your metrics, and you're going to get the results that you want if you treat it that way. Agreed? Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Okay. And understand that businesses, McDonald's did not become a freaking machine of hamburgers when they first started it. They opened it. They said, our goal is to make hamburger making more efficient. Mm -hmm. And they looked to see where are two people bumping into each other. Let's move around the floor plan. 
all right, we've got way too many ingredients. It's taking too long. Let's get rid of them. Let's think about the ones we want, right? And and as they went, it became more efficient. They started to learn what worked. Mm-hmm. I would just throw that in there. You run it like a business, but you have to have the expectation in the beginning. You're going to suck, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. You get good from doing it. Don't I'm wait until it. you're good to start doing it. Yeah, it's so good. So good. All right, man. Well, Anson, last thing before we let you go. Uh, well, we'll get into the famous four here in a second, but the last question before then. Uh, tell us real quickly about the book you wrote and this book club uh, thing. Just a little bit about that. We mentioned it during the quick tip in the beginning, but just real quick now. Uh, what's going on with this thing? Yeah. So, I mean, the book the book itself is just all about finding deals, uh, finding and funding deals. So it gets you from zero to the closing table. Like, I don't care if you want to flip it, if you want to uh, wholesale it, rent it. Uh, I don't care what you do with it. It gets you from you know, from zero to the closing table. And so uh, everything that we talked about, whether it's marketing, negotiation, market analysis, funding, different types, different deal analysis. So if you're wholesaling or flipping or renting, there's different ways to analyze that. And even through repairs and, and ARV and all that fun stuff. So it gets you from zero to the end. And then what you do with it from there is up to you. But uh, But yeah, the book club... Uh, is pretty exciting. Uh, it sounds like it, this is a brand new thing that you guys are doing. And so yeah. basically you're going to host a Q&A session on February 11th, I believe. Yep. And it's all about finding and funding great deals. And if you want to go to biggerpockets.com slash Anson, A-N-S-O-N, you'll find out all the information you need to know right there. All right. Well, thanks, dude. I'm looking forward to it. With that said, let's get into the next segment, the last segment of the show. It's called our Famous Four. Let's go through the famous four. We've asked you these three times before because you've been on the show three times before this answer. But number four, maybe they've changed. Number one. Actually, before we get into the famous four, though, let's hear what's going on this week around the Bigger Pockets podcast network. Hey, guys, it's Ashley from the Real Estate Rookie podcast. Last week, we had on Rich Kelly. He's done four deals and used four different types of financing. Hard money. 203k loan, 401k loan, and a commercial loan. If you guys want to learn about these, go back and listen to last week's episode. All right, Anson, famous four, number one, what's your current favorite or all-time favorite or life-changing favorite real estate-related book other than Finding and Funding Great Deals, which you wrote, other than that one? Other than that one? Um, I'm going to say I'm really <laughs> enjoying... <laughs> I don't I don't read a lot of real estate books, sure. but my, my new favorite is uh, Ken Corsini's book because then I get to actually mm. look at other people's favorite deals and, and life-changing deals inside of there. And so it's kind of like a podcast in a book form. I can you know, pull it out, read one chapter and get some gr- you know, really good information. Yeah. I'm not trying to you know, promote just BP stuff, but I honestly don't look at a lot of real estate books, but that's my favorite one right now. Cool. Profit Like the Pros, Ken Corsini. Yeah, that was a good, good, good uh, book. One, yeah. And my face is on the front cover in a, in a, in a drawing. And it's a, uh, it's beautiful. It's the best so, you've ever looked. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, let's see. Next question, David. What is your favorite business book? My favorite business book right now is uh, Extreme Ownership by Jucko oh, Willink. Wow. I uh, I wasn't expecting it to be, but I had I was listening to it on on audio, and it punched me in the gut so many times that I felt like I I just got done rolling, you know, with a uh, jujitsu master. Uh, which he is, but uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. I felt very beat up at the end of that book. But that's just because uh, it, it's a lot of things I need to work on. So I love yeah. that book. It's beautiful. Yeah. And you know, when you talk to Jocko, he leaves you with that same feeling. Honestly, just <laughs> when you're in his presence, there's a you're very aware of your own in- mortality. Yeah, and insufficiencies, <laughs> but you don't feel bad about it. You just want to be better. It's, he's got this that's perfect fine. aura. And when you read that book, it definitely hits. That's one of my favorite books I've ever read. I. I love it. Brandon and I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Jocko's a good dude. And uh, we interviewed him on our show back on episode 365. So Jocko 365, we talked about real estate investing among other things in that show. And he, uh, yeah, I think it's one of my favorite shows. You got to listen to it and look for the chicken bone method. The chicken bone. He's the only person that we've ever interviewed that uses that method. I'm not going to tell him. They got to go listen. They can go listen to it. Yeah. All right. Next Next question. question. Anson, what are some of your hobbies? Uh, Hobbies are kind of like, Still outdoor stuff. I love to uh, hike, go outside. This summer, we picked up uh, paddleboarding to add to that. And so we did that pretty much the whole summer because what else was there to do during <laughs> kind of a quarantine time? But it's great because the reservoir is uh, sparse and we can go paddle around and not bump into anybody. So it was perfect. Very cool. 
All right, last question of the day. What do you think separates successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? I'm going to say, uh, and it's another favorite book of mine, but grit. So having grit in, uh, and that, that means that you're willing to stick with it, even when it gets hard, uh, even when it gets tough, even when, you know, um, you, you kind of maybe lose faith in what you're doing. Um, but, but sticking with it through the, the hardest times of, of real estate. And it's not always easy. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's not always Maui, Hawaii. Uh, it, it does get difficult and it does get tough. Uh, but sticking with it, getting up the next day to, uh, you know, kind of roll with the punches and keep going at it will set you apart from, you know, 90% of, of your competition. And so whether that's through marketing or, you know, getting hit on a property, whatever it is, that grit to keep going, even when it gets tough, I think sets you apart 100%. Awesome. That's 100% really agree. Well, All right, Anson, thank you very much. Where can people find out more about you? If you want to find me on Bigger Pockets and send me a message, uh, you, you can contact me there or uh, just look at, you know, look at the author page there and, you know, uh, get to know me a little bit better there, but that's the best way to get to know me better and contact me. All right. Well, thanks, dude. Appreciate having you on your show again. Uh, every time we talk, I always come away like, oh, man, Anson's so smart. There's a lot of things I should be doing that I'm not doing. So once again, thank you for uh, enlightening us. But good luck to you, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it, Anson. This is David Green for Handsome Anson Young and Brandon Rip Curl Turner <laughs> signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.